Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Boys, we are back. 50-50 fantasy football. Uh, we've been gone for a few months now, but uh, me and Mason, just through the draft process, realized how much we missed doing this. Uh, and we're going to change it up a little bit on the way back. Um, we've slowly kind of swayed away from redraft a little bit, and we have really, really gotten into dynasty football. Um, so this channel now is going to be more emphasized on that. Uh Throughout the season, uh, we'll still be talking about NFL football, um, what's going on and whatnot in the league, but also uh, player spotlights on specific college players. And boy, oh boy, we can't wait for 2024 because it is going to be maybe the best top-loaded draft we have ever had for a super flex perspective, um, if not since 2020, uh, with the likes of Herbert, Burrow, and two up. But we have so much to look forward to this season. Um, it's going to be great, but you know, for now, uh, Mason's not on with us today, but by next episode, he will, uh, and next episode, we're going to be going over some of our guys that we had, uh, rise with draft capital and also fall. Um, so we're going to be going over that. We're looking forward to that. So today it's just me. Uh, but today I thought that we could just maybe go through players drafted, uh, this season, uh, to their specific teams and how that affects them. Uh, for Dynasty, uh, and also Redraft, too. But uh, like we said, mainly going to be swaying towards Dynasty football now. Uh, before we get started, um, with this, you know, uh, coming back, we're heavily swaying towards uh, also posting not only on Spotify and Prime uh, and Apple uh, podcasts, but we're also going to be posting our episodes uh, video on YouTube as well. Uh, so YouTube, same name, uh, 5050 Fantasy. Uh, and as well as that, uh, every week we're going to try to reply uh, to people who have questions, uh, advice with their Dynasty Leagues. Uh, so our Twitter, same name, at 5050Fantasy. Give us a follow. 
Um, you'll see all of our, you know, polls, uh, community involvement, whatnot, uh, as well as that reminders on when we're uploading videos. So come give us a follow on Twitter too, again, and YouTube, 5050 Fantasy, uh, keeping it pretty short and sweet, concise across all of our uh, platforms. But boys, I say uh, we just get right away. And truthfully, not much time needed with the quarterbacks because I think everybody really saw this stuff coming. Uh, we had that week break before the draft where uh, Houston was rumored to not go quarterback, but I think all deep down, we knew they were. Uh, we had Will Levis somehow with an anonymous Reddit leak going up to number two or even one. It was a weird draft before, but Bryce Young goes number one, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they gave up the King's ransom to get him, but uh, Frank Reich, um, AJ McCarron, all the staff over there, Carolina obviously sees something in him opposed to Stroud, Levis, and Richardson. Uh, so he's their guy. Um, and it's going to be interesting because even today we got news that he's not the starter as of right now. Um, they have already placed Andy Dalton as QB1 going into training camp, which I do like. I think, you know, with rookies, it's, it matters to prove themselves. Even if he's the, the 101 in the draft, he should have to prove himself an NFL starter. Um, not saying Andy Dalton's going to be, you know, hard to beat out in practice, but uh, just handing the reins over to a, a young 21-year-old guy like Bryce Young, it's it takes a lot of pressure. And for him to maybe go in there and compete and really win it over and get a feel of NFL offenses, I, th I think that'll do him really good. Um, you know, not much really to say about him. He's a more of a field general pocket passer, um, not one of those two-way guys like another quarterback we'll be talking about uh, today. Uh, but for Bryce Young, I, th I think you rank him – a QB2, QB3, I think you, in this class at least, uh, it's preference to Stroud and him. Personally, for me, I like CJ Stroud more for a fantasy perspective. Uh, and QB1, uh, obviously, is the guy we'll get to at number four. But yeah, Bryce Young goes one to the Texans. Uh, and like we mentioned before, CJ Stroud goes number two to the Houston Texans. Um, like I said, we, we kind of saw this coming months and weeks before the draft, but there was that one little break within that uh, S2 cognitive test that really messed up CJ Stroud's public appeal, which to me is kind of, you know, stupid. It didn't really hurt him or help him, sorry, uh, with that interview he made where he said he's not a test taker, he's a football player. I didn't think that helped his draft stock by saying that. Um, even if the rumors are fake, I, I think you kind of have to avoid that question just because in the media's eyes, that might not be the best answer, but doesn't matter. He gets picked number two, uh, goes to Houston. Uh, they have a few sneaky guys. They drafted uh, this year Tank Dell, who we'll get into uh, later in the episode, but uh, Mechie's there. Uh, they brought in Dalton Schultz, um, Nico Collins. Not a crazy receiver room. Damian Pierce at running back. Nothing crazy, but I, I think just a QB upgrade helps him out. Um, I don't see Davis Mills really competing with him for this job. I, I think it's C.J. Stroud's job right away. Um, they might have the same approach as Carolina, but not much to really talk about here uh, yet, at least. Uh, for me, he's my QB2 in this class um, just because I kind of view him as a more uh, potentially dominant fantasy player compared to Bryce Young, if that makes sense. Uh, but it's super close for me. Uh, it's it's a really a coin flip there between the two of them. I think maybe Stroud going long-term because just the capital. Uh, Carolina 
spent a lot to get Bryce Young. So do they have the you know the assets to really spend picks, high draft picks on uh, receivers, running backs, tackles to you know help out Bryce Young? So we'll have to come and see that. But for now, Stroud is my QB two. And at four, we have uh, Mason's boy. Uh, I wish he was on to talk about him, but I'm sure he will in uh, next episode. But Anthony Richardson, uh, surprise, surprise, goes number four to the Indianapolis Colts. To me, it's a dream landing spot. I think to a lot of people it is. Um, you know, you combine him with a coach that just had Jalen Hurts' historic season. Um, and we're going to see... Uh, potentially a more athletic Jalen Hurts, and that's not really a hot take, but with him, it's going to be how the Colts develop him. Still very raw as a passer, insane arm talent, but can he hit those precision throws against NFL defenses? Can he read the field? Uh, He's only been a quarterback for about two and a half years, I believe the number is. So it's going to be a lot of uncertainty with him, but going to a team with one, a great offensive line, two, a great system, uh, and three, with great weapons. You know, they have Pittman, Alec Pierce, Jonathan Taylor. They have guys to surround him. Uh, oh, and uh, Josh Downs, too, the draft in the third round. We'll talk about him later, too. So you look at that core and the weapons around him, the offensive line around him, the system, it screams that he, he he's going to be a fancy stud. But with Richardson... The biggest thing is they can't rush him. Uh, they cannot throw him into the lines den early. I want to see Gardner Minshew play at least six or seven games. Uh, if Anthony Richardson comes along and develops at a rapid pace, and you know, I might look like an idiot halfway through the season. But for now, I think the biggest thing is to just develop him, spend time with him. If you draft him in fantasy, I think he should be the clear-cut 102 in Superflex and end of first round in normal one QB leagues uh, in ours, me and Mason see what at the one, eight, 11, uh, the one twelve. sorry. Um, so in that format, he should, but of all the quarterbacks in a super flex league, he should be the first quarterback taken purely based on athleticism, the system, the weapons around him uh, and it's pure athleticism and talent. He, it really makes him a spectacle as a prospect, but yeah, quarterbacks, those are the three. Uh, we'll talk about Levis, but first round, that's it. Um, and a little off topic here, I'm curious to see with Arizona. Uh, in that deal to move up to number three, uh, Arizona received, sorry, the Texans moved to three. Uh, Arizona received the Houston Texans first round pick. And that makes a push for them to potentially, right now on PFF, they have picks one and two. Uh, so my biggest question so far with that would be, what do you do if you're Arizona and you get picks one and two? Uh, you're looking at Caleb Williams or Drake May uh, and then Marvin Harrison. Do you keep Kyler Murray, trade away with number one, or do you keep one and two, trade away Kyler, and take the two generational talents that we've seen come in? It's going to be interesting to see what Arizona does. Uh, to me, I would lean towards getting rid of Kyler. I don't think any amount of ransom could really get me off Caleb Williams. Um, but we'll have to see if any team even wants Kyler at that contract and injury concerns. But for now, I, I, I'm really looking forward to see how that season turns out for Houston. Uh, I don't think they'll be the second worst team in the NFL, though. I think they've addressed a lot of needs in the offseason, and they brought in 
two impactful position players. That's Stroud and Anderson. But still, I, I think Arizona finishes the bottom. Uh, so I think Arizona might be confirmed uh, bottom three. So that gives them guaranteed uh, Caleb or Drake. And then uh, the guy that we're very excited for, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. So back to the offense. Uh, number eight, Bijan Robinson. Uh, a dream landing spot for Dynasty and specifically Redraft. He is going into the number one rushing offense. Uh, people might say Philly, but based off pure volume, uh, Atlanta was the highest rushing offense technically. Uh, and Tyler Algier had 1,000 yards. Uh, I can't imagine what B. John Robinson's going to get in that offense. Uh, you're getting a second-year Desmond Ritter, who I'm not really crazy on, but I think just for purely Bijan's sake, I think he'll play pretty good. Uh, he's not a downfield stretcher, uh, Desmond Ritter. He's going to be doing short intermediate passes out of the backfield. So me and Mason were talking about it, and we're thinking Bijan gets the over-under for touches this year is going to be 280, I think. And I think he'll hit the over. I just don't see a world where he doesn't hit that number, seeing how much Algier had last year, unless Arthur Smith really transitions that offense away from running the football. I, I could see this guy just lighting it up too. And Algier wasn't just based off pure volume. He played pretty decent uh, considering where he was drafted. And we're talking about going from a fifth round pick now to the eighth overall pick and a, a generational running back. Best one we've seen since Barkley uh, prospect wise. So uh, redraft, I, I can't wait to see where this guy goes. And for dynasty, it's, he's the clear one one It's not even a debate. There's, there's no reason to really talk about this guy more. Um, if you have the chance of getting him at one one or if someone really messes up and goes uh, him at uh, the one Oh two, you can get him there. I don't know what world that would be, but Bijan, uh, he's, he's that guy. And I can't wait to see him play this year. Uh, Atlanta is going to be fun to watch uh, with Pitts, Drake, London, uh, Bijan. It's going to be a fun young team to watch really blossom into a contender in the very, very weak NFC South. So it'll be fun to see. And the next pick, uh, pick 12, the biggest surprise of the draft uh, I'd say the two biggest surprises for me for fantasy-wise were actually both at the running back position. And we'll talk about the guy that I think everyone knows who I'll be alluding to later. But number 12 is Jameer Gibbs. And this really was confusing on draft night considering Swift was still there. But then day two, we saw him get traded to the Eagles, which, what a draft. Uh, staying away from fantasy purposes. But man, Eagles look great. But for the Lions... It was interesting because they said they would take Gibbs at six uh, if they didn't trade back. But then that opens up to the, the question that they view him higher than Bijan. And it's strange. And we've heard uh, yesterday it came out that Brad Holmes had already said to him that you're not going to be traditional running back. You're going to be playing the slot, which makes sense. But to spend a 12th overall pick on a slot wide receiver running back doesn't really make sense to me. I don't like hate the pick. I think positional value really sucks considering they had two really early second round picks that, you know, they can say he wouldn't be there, but I think he would have been. Uh, even taking Gibbs at 18, I wouldn't be opposed to, but they took him at pick 12. 
they passed on positions that they really needed help with. Um, they trade away um, Akuda, and they don't really address the corner position until Brian Branch, which I love that pick. But then they let Forbes and Gonzalez slide down at 16-17, and then they take Jack Campbell at 18. So it's a really interesting position they went with. They went with really two, uh, as far as the positional, positional values chart goes, running back and linebacker aren't really that great. So for a team to have picks 6 and 18, and then to turn that into Gibbs and Jack Campbell in the first round is something I don't think anybody saw coming. Uh, but we'll have to see how it plays out. I, I'm high on Jack Campbell. I think I like him a lot. But I, again, 18th overall, I don't know if I would have done that if I were them. Uh, you could have stayed at 6 and went Carter or Gonzalez. And then at pick 18, you could have easily gone Cansey. Um, or Gibbs, and then go Campbell with their second round pick. But again, it, it's you can't really say right now at the draft we aren't we aren't NFL scouts and we aren't these paid professionals. But it seemed like two reaches to me. But again, we'll find out, um, and we'll come to see really if the lines were either right with those picks or wrong. And the next player goes all the way to pick twenty. Uh, and that's my guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, JSN goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I didn't see him sliding when, one, I was expecting Packers, and they went Ness, uh, Van Ness at 13, which wasn't a shock to me, but I was leaning, thinking they were going to go Van Ness or JSN. Uh, and then the Jets also slid on JSN, which I also saw coming when the Packers did. And then I knew that they weren't Washington wasn't going to go him. The next team I thought was the pa uh, Patriots, but then Gonzalez was there. Uh, Lions wouldn't go him, and the Bucks went Cantu, which was the right pick. So that ends up with JSN to Seattle. And this has been a pretty controversial pick for a lot of people because uh, they think his value has gone down, uh, which I mightily disagree with. Um, I just don't really think it matters where this guy goes. Uh, I think he's going to make any quarterback uh, job easier. And now we have Geno Smith, who was the story of last season fantasy-wise. Uh, finished, I believe, QB 8 uh, to 6, depending on format you guys played in. Uh, and now you're adding in JSN. with It gives him a true wide receiver 3. And the biggest debate I have heard on this pick is that Seattle doesn't use three wide receiver sets. They only run with two. And my issue with that is that if you look at their depth chart from last year, uh, their wide receiver three was D. Eskridge. So do you blame Pete Carroll for running out wide receiver two sets or two wide receiver sets when you have a wide receiver three at D. Eskridge? I personally don't. Um, and I don't see that really impacting JSN. I, I think if you spend a 20th overall pick on this guy, you're not going to continue to run sets you ran last year when you had no depth at receiver. Um, and I really think they hit on the two depth pieces. The Charbonnet pick was surprising. Uh, but if you look at their roster, they don't really have any backups at these positions. And for them, uh, you're just securing the long-term health of Kenneth Walker. It sucks for fantasy, but you know these guys aren't playing fantasy football. They're going to do things that help best their team. And Seattle had two seconds. Um, they went with the edge, edge uh, on the, the first one. 
and then they hit on Charbonnet in a second. And we'll talk about Charbonnet later. But the biggest thing for me with JSN is that it, it won't be an issue that the three wide receiver set thing. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't slide on talent because of situation. We always do this thing where we think teams, where they go, where these players go, are going to really, truly impact uh, these players. And to one degree, I, I agree with you uh, that you have to really look at where these players go. But at the end of the day, like talent is there for a reason, right? Like these players are more than just the team around them. And for JSN, I look at Gino and I don't really see a guy that's going to be like Mahomes or Allen uh, or Burrow, like nuking it downfield. Metcalf and Lockett will be stretching the field out. And JSN, like last year, is going to have two premier receivers playing around him. And that is probably the best situation for him to be in. He gets to learn from Tyler Lockett, and he gets to play alongside DK Metcalf for the next at least four years. So you have a guy that's now stretching the field out for you uh, from the slot or from the outside, and you have a true X receiver in DK. And now you insert JSN into a team uh, that didn't really have a true wide receiver three last year, didn't have true backups at the offensive position. And now you're looking at Seattle, and they might have a top eight offense maybe even a top six. Uh, you look at their depth and what they did, and it's really appealing. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to see where they'll end up um, in the NFC West. So we'll have to come and see, but that's enough on JSN. But don't slide on him because of where he went. Don't just take Quinton Johnson because he went to Herbert. Uh, the wide receiver one in this class is JSN. It's not particularly close. Who cares about the... X receiver versus slot receiver. Get the guy that's going to get you the most fantasy points, and that will be JSN. He is going to be open all the time. He's going to be playing against cornerback threes, against slot corners, and he's going to be playing strictly zone defense. And he is going to be eating up that field like no man's business. Uh, Seattle has a absolute amazing backfield duo now that you know the team's going to have to respect. And they can't just sit, you know, three guys in the box now. They're going to have to respect the run and the pass now. And before, you know, Kenneth Walker would be on the field, and they'd have to take him off. And then who comes in? Travis Homer. That's not intimidating for a defense to see. But now you're going to have a Jack Charbonnet coming in. Uh, you know, you have Kenneth Walker out there for the first, second down. Then you're facing that now, too. Uh, so it's going to open up that offense a lot. Uh, for me, realistically, I see JSN easily hitting 800, 900 yards rookie season, if not more. Uh, six touchdowns is eight. I think that's his realistic finish as a rookie, um, but that's enough time on JSN. Uh, let's now move to Quinton Johnson at pick 21. Uh, today, we're going to be going through the first round. Just a quick, you know, uh, day one highlights. Uh, the more the guys that we'll talk about next episode will be, you know, throughout day two and day three. So I think for today, you know, just get to the, the big guys, the big tier, the first round of uh, fantasy um, drafts that really matter. Uh, rounds two through four and rookies, you know, it, it really just depends on what these teams see. But uh, I can guarantee you that we'll be talking about at least six to eight players that are all in day two next week. So the next player is Quinton Johnson, who personally I'm not that high on. Um, I think that... He's just not that great. The best way to describe him for me 
is he plays as a big receiver, but he plays like a small one. And you see him on these contested catches, not using his hands, using his body. Uh, really can't get off press coverage that great. He's this big guy that was said to be 6'4", and then he gets measured to combat at 6'2". I still like him, and I think the landing spot helps him a lot. But I've seen guys say, oh, he should be over JSN. He should be, you know, just with Gibbs and Bijan that in the one QB redraft, or the one QB rookie uh, drafts. And I just completely disagree with that because you saw him against Georgia and people saying, oh, well, that team just got, they got killed. They got killed. Well, they were throwing the entire game. And there's an interesting uh, Twitter thread that reposted. It was about a two-minute video of every single route ran by uh, Quinton Johnson from uh, the national championship game. And you see TCU, yes, they were, you know, annihilated that game. But you look at Quinton Johnson playing against this defense, and I would say maybe 10%, 20% of the routes he won. The other 80, he was either pushed off the line, forced outside, uh, couldn't even get off the line, uh, or just couldn't separate. And, you know, I understand he's, he's big and he's tall and he's fast. But is he a good receiver? I just don't know. And the next two guys that went after him are good receivers to me. And I just feel like we're overlooking now in this new era of NFL, the small and the lower weight guys, we're overlooking them as, you know, nothing. Like, uh, Devontae Smith is a tiny guy, but does that stop him from being an elite NFL receiver? No. You know, you look at these route runners, and they're not big. Uh, JSN's, you know, 6'1", 200. Zay Flowers, uh, shorter. He's about 200. Jordan Addison is a nimble guy. But they get open, and they can win off press coverage. They can win on man coverage. They can win on zone. And I just don't see Johnson really doing that at the next level. But, you know, I might be wrong. That's just my two cents, but we'll move on. Uh, Zay Flowers, who I think should have went to the Chargers. To me, he is a receiver that that team needs. Uh, speed from the slot that can get open on every down basis, that can complement Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Uh, to me, they kind of just said, oh, we want another Mike Williams and slapped the draft button on Quinn Johnson. Uh, a pretty much replica player, but to me, Zay Flowers is the pick at 21. I had a mock there for months, and I, I thought that was the pick, but they took Johnson, and then Brendan Staley came out and says that three games stuck out to him in Quinn Johnson's uh, junior year. And he mentioned the Georgia game. And that was how that whole Twitter thread started with Johnson. And I just don't understand what he sees in that game that really sticks out to him. The other two games he mentioned made sense. Uh, Johnson against Michigan was great. He had a great game. But to mention the Georgia game in a you know non-satire way is a little bit interesting. But Zay Flowers it, is a great fit for Baltimore. Um, the only issue is, is it's just, you know, how Todd Monken will use him and how much Lamar will throw. But Baltimore really addressed their holes this offseason. I think they've really put themselves back in the mix. Uh, you know, who knows where Hopkins will go if he gets traded or not. But for now, Flowers and OBJ, adding those two guys to that room is huge. Uh, I, I can't say to expect much from Flowers' rookie season. I, I think he easily surpassed 700 yards, touchdowns, who knows in that offense, but I, I think that it'll help Lamar have a guy that gets 
open, like I said, on the every down basis. Uh, he won't get off the field. He's a good run blocker as well. So I I, th- I see him being a great fit there in Baltimore. Uh, and 23, pick 23, Jordan Addison. Uh, we mentioned him before. Not the biggest guy, but it's like Devontae. He just always seems to get open. And I, I can't really explain it, but when me and Mace were talking the pre-draft, um, we had said that Addison needs to go somewhere where he is a wide receiver too. He cannot be the wide receiver one somewhere. He needs to go to a place that makes him the two. And talk about going to the best place to be the number two. Uh, this compliments not only himself, but Jefferson finally gets a, another guy. Adam Thielen was, you know, regressing his last few years. And he wasn't the same guy that he was uh, the years prior to getting Jefferson. So adding him, you know, you have KJ Osborne at the three. Uh, Jayla Naylor, who I'm pretty excited to see play this year. So that's a good core. That's a good group of four guys. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't go corner. Uh, they had a really horrible defense. But I, I think the value on Addison is just too good at 23, uh, considering Giants were picking right after them. So it was a little bit of an NFC slap in the face there. But Addison, I was very high on pre-draft, and I still am now. The only thing you can really say on him uh, is, you know, size. But we saw him as a sophomore. You know, he absolutely lit up at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. He almost pretty much made Kenny Pickett a first-round pick, technically. But I'm excited to see how he does with Addison. Uh, I think he easily cruises to about 800 yards rookie season. Um, 800, maybe 9, depending on how well he plays. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about the fit with him. I, I think he'll be very very successful there, and it really helps out Jefferson, who who needs with Thielen leaving. He needs a guy that actually is a legit wide receiver too, not KJ Osborne. Uh, so this prevents him from you know getting tripled off the line of scrimmage. So uh, it'll be exciting offense to watch. Uh, curious to see where you know Dalvin Cook goes, uh, if he gets traded or not. But excited to see how, uh, what the Vikings do. Um, and, you know, we've hit pick 25 now, uh, which is actually the last offensive player picked uh, besides tackle. Uh, Dalton Kincaid goes to the Buffalo Bills, uh, a draft that we thought we would see maybe close to three tight ends picked. We only saw one. Uh, we saw a big run in round two. And we'll talk about a few of those guys next episode. But for Dalton Kincaid, you know, he joins up in Buffalo. And I don't see him playing a traditional tight end uh, position. I see him as more of an athletic slot receiver, big, that will help Josh Allen on every single down. I don't see this guy leaving the field ever. They'll run two tight end sets with him and Knox. Uh, they signed Knox back, but I, I think this puts, you know, Dawson Knox's fantasy career kind of in the gutter. He'll still get the, you know, the traditional trick play, uh, rollout play from Josh Allen on the goal line, but I just don't see him being a draftable player, you know, ever. Uh, and Kincaid really gives Allen that number two kind of slot play that they desperately needed. Uh, that team looks scary next year. Uh, Diggs, Davis, Kincaid. Uh, it's going to be a really fun offense to watch. And I, I think Kincaid is a, a perfect fit there. And I've seen him go as high as the 107 um, in single quarterback leagues and the 111-112 in Superflex. So I'm really excited to see how they use him. I think that will be the the number one thing to really look forward uh, and look uh, towards in training camp and offseason. He might be a very sneaky play considering his positional uh, value. He might be kind of that, like, 
Uh, Taysom Hill, where Taysom Hill is listed at a tight end, but he had quarterback value. Well, Kincaid, you know, he might be a tight end, but he's going to be playing slot. And I could see him easily cruising to about seven targets a game, eight targets a game as a rookie. He's just one of those guys that is so athletically gifted and gives Allen that brand new young weapon that's going to help him for the next five years. And I, I, I think this helps, you know, Buffalo's offense in numerous ways. Kincaid's not the best blocker. So like I said, I don't see him lining up at tight end. But I think this helps because you put Knox in a, a traditional tight end spot. He's a great blocker. And I think this helps that team out a lot. And for redraft, I'm going to be really looking forward to him in the, the later rounds because, like I said, I, he's going to be a slot receiver. And for Dynasty, I think he's a smash. Uh, Mason has him as high as the 104 in single QB, which sounds crazy, but the more I think about it, isn't crazy. Uh, Allen, yes, doesn't throw to his tight end a lot, but like we've I've said already six times in the last two minutes, he will not be a traditional tight end. Uh, he is going to be like a Kelsey. You know, he might line up at the tight end spot one every four downs, but he is going to be in the slot. He might be the outside. I don't know. It's going to be really curious to see how they, you know, work around him. But that's what offseason's for, and that's what training camp's for. So we might get that John Smith smokescreen where they have him run it, running uh, at running back like we got a few years ago at New England. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how all these players fit into their teams. I wouldn't say it's a great landing spot draft. I, I think you look at the top and Anthony Richardson was a great spot to be at. I think Bijan's a great spot to be at. Gibbs, depending on how they use him, is a great landing spot. But after that, I'm not thrilled. JSN, to me, the more I think about it, Seattle's okay. Uh, but Zay Flowers, I was really hoping would go to the Chargers. And Addison, I think, is pretty solid. Uh, but you really see those landing spots start to die past round one. <laughs> uh, Charbonnet is completely, ugh. Uh, Abinaconda, you know, another guy got strapped into the Jets, you know, behind Brees Hall. We see a lot of these running backs get kind of screwed with landing spot. Uh, Devon A-Chain goes to the Dolphins, but we've already heard rumors of him being drafted as a more of a special teams player, which sounds ridiculous, but... We'll have to come and see and find out towards the season. Uh, but we're looking forward to talk about it. Not going to get into everything now. We have a long offseason until football. Four months. But we are going to be pumping out videos, pumping out tweets on our Twitter, pumping out uh, podcasts, rankings. And not only that, but going through the 2024 class that we are, like I mentioned, so excited to talk about. Uh, it's going to be such a fun first round of rookie drafts for that class. Uh, we'll come to see the depth guys uh, later towards the season like we usually do. But we are talking about the most loaded top-end talent probably we've seen um, in the last, you know, five years. And a guy that we haven't even mentioned yet, or I haven't mentioned, was Brock Bowers. So we're talking about potentially four blue-chip prospects at every single position um, besides running back. And even then at running back, you got Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders, Braylon Allen, Travion Henderson, Blake Corum. You got great guys, Will Shipley. You have all these guys coming up that are going to be there and ready to compete. And like we saw, the draft does change everything. You know, landing spots next year will be really interesting to see. But like I said, talent is the most important thing. And you just always pick the best player 
talent-wise, no matter where they go. It might seem like a horrible landing spot. It does not matter where these guys go. We need to look at it the long-term approach. And um, we're so excited to talk about it. We're so excited to be back. Uh, we've missed podcasting. We've missed talking about football. Uh, we're super excited to transition more into Dynasty. Uh, I think that's really where the fantasy community is you know, leaning towards the last few years. Uh, just off the solely purpose of not having an offseason. Uh, it really helps keeping interest all season long. And it has really boosted college football as well. Uh, guys are watching every week to see these prospects that they cannot wait to draft and have on their fantasy team come Sunday. And boys, I think that's it for episode one of the new fantasy 50-50 fantasy football podcast. Uh, we're excited to be back next week, or actually it's next episode. Uh, we'll be talking about our biggest risers and climbers, like I mentioned. Uh, haven't really decided how many we're going to do yet. Uh, just really depends on what kind of guys we want to talk about. Uh, but Zach Charbonnet, he'll be on there. Will Levis, he'll definitely be on there. Mason has some kind words for him. Uh, and then risers, you know, we've gotten a few. Uh, Bijan, Gibbs, we've seen these guys go up in value just based off length. But I know, I know Bijan hasn't moved from one. Uh, but even in the later rounds, we've seen guys fall. We've seen guys rise. Uh, so we're excited to get into that. But for now, uh, that's it. Check out our Twitter and our YouTube soon to come. Uh, 50 50 Fancy. Give us a follow. And like we mentioned, uh, you know, shoot us a message. Uh, let us know what you're thinking about in your Dynasty League. Uh, trade advice, um, picking advice, you know, roster advice. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. And we wanted to start doing this every episode where we go through our DMs and we just list off some of the things that we've seen, dynasty trades that you guys have either um, done or looking to doing. So, boys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, that's it. That's episode one in the books. So, this has been Michael. Uh, it's great to be back. And we will see you guys next time. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.